Hi, this is Christian Kuhn, pastor of Emerging Ministries at Urban Village Church. It has been a long, long time since I've recorded a sermon podcast. Um, For those of you who've been watching us online, you know that we have been certainly doing things very differently since living into this pandemic, and so we're not able to record things as often as we'd like, and also we're taking turns and recording things, so... Um, I felt a little rusty this week because I was putting the sermon together, but I'm really glad to be back with you and glad to be recording this. So I hope that this is helpful for you. I'm going to start by reading the passage today that we'll be focusing on. This comes from the book of Philippians, and this is chapter 3, verses 7 through 17. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. Many years ago, back when I was in high school, I was in show choir. So imagine 16-year-old me wearing things like powder blue tuxedos, doing choreographed motions to music. And we did a field trip to Chicago. And uh, for those who know me, you know I grew up in a somewhat small town in northeast Iowa. So this was a pretty exciting thing for us to get on the bus and for a few days go and perform in a couple of venues in the Chicago area. It wasn't all performance. We had some time to have some fun, and one of our trips we made was to the Field Museum here in the city, which is, now that I reflect on it, is pretty wild that I now live uh, less than a mile from the Field Museum. But for the for many of us, it's the first time there, and if you've ever been to the Field Museum, of course, you know it's massive. So many things there, so many things to see and take in. I think we must have had maybe three hours or so. That's my memory anyway. So as soon as we got there, uh, the group that I was with, I think we had a feeling like we wanted to run around and see as much of this massive building as we could. This was the days way before the days of uh, Sue, the, the big dinosaur that they're now, but still enough to see that we wanted to make sure that we took it all in. So we ran around and probably wanted to set foot in every room there. In some of the rooms we may have 
not even looked at. Certainly, we weren't stopping to read anything. We were just kind of, again, taking it all in. So after the time we were there, we got back to the bus. One of the chaperones on the trip was a teacher named Mr. Frankenfeld. He taught biology at our high school. And I remember asking him, Mr. Frankenfeld, what was your favorite part of the museum? And he said, well, I really didn't get out of the section that had the mummies. I don't remember at the time if there was a special exhibit or what this was, but I remember at the time thinking, oh, poor Mr. Frankenfeld. He clearly does not know how to go to a museum. But as I think about it now, I realize that he was just taking his time and taking it all soaking everything up as he could. And he didn't want to run around to try to see everything as possible. He wanted whatever he saw, he wanted to make sure he was learning as much about this as he could. And so he was one of those people who would probably read every single placard, looking at all the different exhibits in this one little area, spending all the hours just there. And I'm sure he probably could have spent days, maybe even weeks, at the museum, learning as much as he could about this, all of these fascinating things for himself as a science teacher. He was taken by everything that was in there, and he wanted to learn as much as he could. Have you ever had that experience? Loving something, being so taken with something, so much that you want to know absolutely everything about it. Well, today we finish up our sermon series. We've been talking about grace especially as John Wesley, one of the leaders of the Methodist movement, as he described grace. Two weeks ago, for those of you who have been watching uh, us online, Pastor Chan talked about what's called prevenient grace. That's the grace that surrounds us, invites us there into this relationship with God, even before we recognize or know about it. We've also been using a house metaphor. That's what John Wesley used in talking about these different kinds of grace. And Wesley talked about prevenient grace is kind of like the porch of the house. It's there before we actually enter in. Last week, Pastor Emily talked about what's called justifying grace. This is the grace that moves within us to make a decision to be in a relationship with God. And we consciously receive grace. We are forgiven. We enter into this relationship. So again, with the house metaphor, it's entering into the front door of this relationship with God. Now, for some Christians... They think that entering through the door is all there is. You may know the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And they know that song, and I think the decision is the thing. That's the peak. You may be familiar with, sometimes people will talk about being saved, or they'll ask you, when were you saved? And that's all there is, and you're good to go. But there's more to it than that. In fact, that song continues saying, though none go with me, still I will follow. The singer of the song, the author of the song knows that there's still more. After making that decision, the journey is not over. And that's what we want to talk about today. What happens after you enter through the door and then we experience another kind of grace that we call sanctifying grace. Now, again, I, want, I mentioned earlier this whole notion of entering into a building and wanting to, to, to take in as much as you can. Imagine a building that you've always wanted to go into, and then you get to the front door and you think, nah, maybe not. And I don't think that would ever happen. Maybe it's a, a house 
in your neighborhood that you've been really curious about, or maybe it's an amusement park that you've always wanted to go to, or a stadium that you wanted to go and see an event there. When you enter all these things, of course, you want to go in. You want to check things out. You want to see what's going on with this building. And that's sanctifying grace. This is, again, the house metaphor that Wesley used, entering into the door and then wanting to explore this house as much as possible. Sanctifying grace is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that creates a desire to learn more about God, to experience more of God, to get to the place where you're loving God and our neighbor more deeply. This is the kind of grace that we're talking about here, sanctifying grace. Sanctifying meaning holy, making ourselves more holy. We want to check out all of the rooms in this building. So, I have another way of thinking about this too. If entering into a building isn't your thing, a house metaphor may not be doing it for you. I was going through some old pictures the other day and I came across this video of my kids. I'm going to show this in worship and maybe I'll put this up on a YouTube page and link to it as well. So we bought a trampoline a few years ago and I shot this video of my kids. So we put the trampoline together ourselves and we I shot this video of my two kids, this is probably four or five years ago, going into the trampoline for the first time. Now, again, imagine a child going to a trampoline and thinking, well, it's built. I'm not sure I actually want to jump on it. No, they want to experience it, of course. And what's so interesting is the way that they enter into this space, the trampoline, and they're laughing nervously because they don't know exactly what's going to happen. But once they stand up and they get a little sense of what this is all about, they begin to jump and they giggle and they get excited. And this is all new territory for them. And eventually they start jumping around. So I want us to think about, I talked earlier about justifying grace. And that's the grace again. We enter through the front door. We enter into a relationship with God. I want to maybe in addition to justifying grace, think about that as jumpifying grace. That is, it's a grace that propels us into a desire to grow deeper in our love of God. A person doesn't go on a trampoline and just sit there. There's an excitement, a buoyancy. Yes, also there are times when you fall down. That's what happens in this video. Sanctifying grace means that God's grace continues with us as we explore these rooms, as we jump around, as we fall in love more and more with God. We see this in our passage from Philippians today. Philippians is one of those books in the Bible, in the back half of the Bible we call the New Testament. It's there along with other funny names like Galatians and Colossians, Thessalonians. Many of these books are actually letters written by a man named Paul. Paul was the first really Christian evangelist extraordinaire. He had a life-transforming experience of Jesus. We read about in the book of uh, Acts in chapter 9. Paul was so moved by this grace that he started churches all around what is today Greece and Turkey and Italy. So today, he's writing to a church in a city called Philippi. If you look on a map today, it's in kind of northeast Greece today. And Paul wants these people in this church, he's a church planter, he wants these people in this church to follow his example because they're new at this. They don't know how to follow Jesus. Paul says this in verse 17, join in imitating me. So 
When we read this passage today, if we're to back up a little bit, if you were to read from the beginning of chapter 3, you'd see that Paul is giving a kind of spiritual resume. He talks about that he was he was a Jew, and so he was circumcised. He talks about being a member of the people of Israel. He talks about being a part of the tribe of, J- of Benjamin. He is, as he notes, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. And so, under the law, he is blameless. So, he has the goods. You ever know someone who wants to kind of tell you just how good of a Christian they are? Maybe they want to tell you when and where they were saved, where they went to school, how much of the Bible they read, how often they volunteered. Well, Paul is saying, hey, I've got the goods here. But then he goes on to say that his spiritual resume is not what saves him. And so, no matter, and this may be a little bit disheartening for people who have done a lot of work in the faith, so no matter... No matter how many books you've read, no matter how many degrees you've earned, no matter how many times you've read the Bible, these things don't save you. They are not the ultimate in our faith lives. In fact, Paul says this in verse 8, For his sake, for Jesus' sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Paul says all of this doesn't matter at all. In fact, If you ever wonder if there's swearing in the Bible, uh, there is. The word rubbish is from the Greek word skabula, which actually means excrement. So think of the popular word used for excrement and put that in your mind. And that's what Paul's saying. All of that stuff that I've supposedly have done, my spiritual resume, all of that is just excrement. The key thing is knowing Christ. Paul realizes that he is made whole. He is spiritually healthy because of Christ. And so, because of that, because of what Jesus has done, because of justifying grace or jumpifying grace, he has an infectious desire to know him, to know Christ. Listen, uh, listen to what he says here. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. He presses on, he says, I press on to make it my own. He said, this is the one thing I do, to forget what lies behind, strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul so wants to know Christ, to live like Christ. Because of this justifying grace, because of what God has done, because of what Christ has done in his life, he wants to know more. Justification is what God does for us through Jesus. Sanctification is what God works in us by His Spirit. So when we seek to love God more and more and explore the many ways that we can do that in prayer and study and justice work and service work, all these things help us to grow deeper in our faith and fall more in love with God. And the Spirit continues to transform our lives and then our behavior changes. Sanctification isn't necessarily about being a better person. It's about, again, growing deeper in love with God and neighbor so that we might have the mind of Christ. And when we do that, sanctifying grace continues to be with us every step of the way. That kind of passion about wanting to know more because of what's been done for us. One of my favorite follows these days on Twitter and Instagram is a a woman, young woman named Corinna Newsom. 
I read about her in an article in the New Yorker. Corinna grew up in Philadelphia, and she talks about um, now she works on a lot of um, issues pertaining to the environment. But when she grew up, she grew up in a city, and so she didn't have a lot of wildlife experiences. I'm getting this from an interview that she had. She does remember, though, her grandmother, that large collection of National Geographic magazines. So she was pouring over these books, anything about nature. And she remembers writing a note to herself that this is what she wants to be when she grew up. She wanted to be a scientist who studied bugs and animals. She said that was the age when she became obsessed with wildlife. So she went to a college in Ohio, and one of the classes she had to take for her zoo and wildlife biology major was ornithology, so the study of birds. And she said that she was excited about the other classes, mammalogy, herpetology. She was not thrilled about ornithology. She said she knew nothing about native birds. She'd learned a lot about exotic species, all those National Geographics that she had read about. But then she'd heard that to take this ornithology class, she had to memorize 200 birds by sight and like 50 to 70 by sound. And she said that sounded like a nightmare. But she was taken by the professor in this class, Dr. Jason Quarter. She said he was strangely passionate about it, which she was kind of annoyed by until their first lab day, which is the first day they went out in the field. And so the day they went out in the field and he was introducing some of the more common species in Northeast Ohio, that's where her school was. And he started off with the blue jay, the common blue jay. And Corinna said she yelled, literally yelled in class. And she said, everyone looked at me like I was bananas because blue jays are so common, but she had never seen one in her life. She said, when she heard of a blue jay, she wasn't sure what to expect, but she went out and she saw what a blue jay actually was. And once she saw the blue jay, she realized there really is so much diversity. It's not just the exotic species of birds somewhere across the world. There are some right in her midst. But she didn't know that because she didn't know what to look for. And she says, that's when I became hooked. And she said, teach me all the birds because I can see, or rather, teach me all the birds so I can see all the birds. Teach me all the birds so I can see all the birds. And since then, she has done so much. She's now a steering committee member of the organization Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. And for those of you who remember the incident with Christian Cooper, he was the bird watcher in Central Park who got called out because he was bird watching while black. Corinna is also black and As she read about what happened to Christian Cooper, she was one of the co-founders of what she called Black Birders Week as a way to raise the awareness that Black people care about the environment too and are in awe of the environment too. And so I'm so inspired by her passion for the environment, but also for other things too. On her Twitter feed last week, just her two tweets next to each other. One was a little video. She saw a living sand dollar for the first time. And the video is just amazing. It's 30 seconds of her just exclaiming what cool, how cool this is, this sand dollar. And then the next tweet is that the police still have not been arrested for killing Breonna Taylor. Back to back. That's what she's passionate about. All of these things. But I love, again, that phrase, teach me all the birds so I can see all the birds. 
She was so overwhelmed by God's creation. Again, I read another quote, another article from her when she talked about sometimes there were barriers in her life around faith and science. But once she deconstructed those barriers, she said, I was joyfully surprised to find the character and essence of God woven into through every detail of the creation that God spoke into existence. Teach me all the birds so I can see all the birds. And I think that is a wonderful way to describe, I hope, what happens when we enter into a relationship with God and all of a sudden we sense all kinds of things around us that we didn't know were there. And so we have a desire. Teach me all there is, God, so that I can see you in all there is. That's sanctifying grace. That desire to fall in love with God. And so I hope that that can be the case for you. I hope that as we think about entering into a relationship and then we think about justifying grace or jumpifying grace and that propels us into this relationship. And that journey is going to be different for all of us. Some of us may want to run around and take everything in at once. Some of us are wanting to take our time with it. Some people are really going to be learning about the life of prayer. Some people want to study. Some people want to move in acts of justice and service. There's no right or wrong way to do this. But I hope that God can lay claim to your life, can bring you in, can let you know how much God desires this relationship so that you might also be taken in by this kind of relationship too and that you will want to learn and grow deeper in love with God. And when we do that, I think we change. And then others begin to see that change. And prevenient grace might be working on them. And they might be interested in the door that you walk through. And then you tell them your story. And maybe they might join you in the house or on the trampoline. Falling down and soaring high along the way. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm not sure when I'll be recording again, but it'll be sometime in the next few weeks. And so keep tuning in to this uh, podcast for, um, for that. I'm going to put also in the Podbean page, the Urban Village Podbean page, the links to our online worship. So you can check that out and see where we are on YouTube and on Facebook too. So friends, until the next time that we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you. My feet.